0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try and apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I met over 10 years ago on a retreat here in Richmond. He is the vice president of Equipping the Saints, which is a youth ministry resource. He is a speaker retreat leader, writer, husband and father. it's Robert fiducia hi Robert hey
1: there Julia thank you for having me
0: <laughs> thank you for being here. I'd love to give you an opportunity to tell us more about you or about um, equipping the saints whatever you'd like yeah. to share
1: okay yeah well, you know like like you, I had served on the national evangelization teams That's and
0: right. <laughs> and
1: and I was a, a wee little baby when I did it because i was <laughs> I was seventeen. When I wow. went on the road, so I I say I started in the '80s, but I was very very young in the <laughs> '80s when I started. So that that really was the beginning of, of my youth ministry um, mm-hmm. career. Um, and so in that in that time, uh, I was in seminary for a while, then was in parish youth ministry. I went back to my alma mater uh, at Saint Meinrad and was uh, director of the One Bread, One Cup, a liturgical. Uh, leadership program there, also with um, with Oregon Catholic Press for a while, but um, but now with Equipping the Saints, I, I I feel very strongly about that that God is doing something in ministry, and that is, here's here's my language for it is that God is dismantling the ministerial industrial complex, and and what I mean by that is is that. There's, there is a, a movement towards moving away from the big and the large um, and kind of outsourcing ministry. And, and renewal is going to happen in the church, but it's going to happen on the parish level. And it's going to happen when people, when, when aunts and uncles and the super volunteers are equipped for ministry. And, and that's, where, that, that's where I want to go right now, what equip, equipping the saints is all about it's empowering people on the parish level to really minister well and form young people in discipleship.
0: That's so awesome. I, I forgot that we had had the net connection and, um, but I think, did you spend some time at Catholic university too?
1: Yes, I I did. Okay. Um,
0: but I love what you were saying there about equipping the saints and, you know, definitely I'll give you some more time to talk about that um, later. But, um, it reminds me of like a whole parish catechesis and like what the directory of catechesis, we could totally nerd out on a whole, like, oh, yeah, but, but like, you know, empowering the parish and the people in the parish to do their own evangelizing. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I love that concept. I think that's what our um, faith and our church is calling us to do. So that's so cool that that's what you guys are yeah.
1: doing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Because that that is what we say is that our our name is our mission, which is to mm-hmm. equip the people of God, equip the saints of God for the work of ministry.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that. And also the scriptures that you've chosen. So you actually kind of chose two passages and we're going to start with the Old Testament passage and then we're going to connect it to the New Testament, but we're going to read the Old Testament first, which is from Zechariah. Yeah. Um, And so whenever you are ready, it's Zechariah chapter three. I don't know which verses you're going to begin with, but.
1: Yeah, I'll start. I'll start at the, at the top. Um, And it's just this weird scene, Um, So, let's just begin. It's this prophetic vision. So, there, chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, while the adversary stood at his right side to accuse him. And the angel of the Lord said to the adversary, May the Lord rebuke you, O adversary. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a branch plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clad in filthy garments. Then the angel said to those standing before him, Remove his filthy garments. And to him he said, Look, I have taken your guilt from you, and I am clothing you in stately robes. Then he said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, And they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. Then the angel of the Lord charged Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways, carry out my charge, you will administer my house and watch over my courts, and I will give you access to those standing here. So we can end there with with verse 7.
0: All right, so I'm going to give a little bit about like Zechariah the book and then we can get into why you chose this and the text that you just read. Yeah. So In the Old Testament, there are major prophets and minor prophets, and really all just means is that minor prophets have a smaller book. Um, And in Zechariah is a minor prophet, so it's a smaller book in the Old Testament and actually attributed to maybe a couple of different prophets. Definitely the first half of Zechariah is Zechariah, and then they think the latter half is probably attributed to maybe some other prophets. But this passage that you've chosen um, is, I think, from some visions that are being described. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you wanted to kind of jump in off of that and say like... What's going on here with this high priest Joshua? My text has something um, different. It says Satan instead of the adversary. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you kind of jump in and and take us for what you know about what's going on here.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess the the thing that 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 holds me with this, um, you know, more even more so than the, the than the context, because you would know more than than I about about the, the context that this is being written in. And so, like, I, I'm learning something from you with, with this, is that there are, you know, I, I know that there are different parts of, of Isaiah, but I did not know that there were different parts mm-hmm. of Zechariah. The, the the thing, and I guess even, if I was going to bring in a third scripture, it it would be right at, after creation, when, in, in Genesis 3, when when God has created Eve, and and any the sacred grinder could have said anything at that point you know like they they frolicked adam and eve frolicked in the garden or enjoyed the animals or wh- whatever but he said they were naked but they yet they felt no shame mm-hmm. and that's what strikes me about about this is for whatever reason shame is something that is very close to the human experience and this is a story about guilt being done away with, being dispersed, and and new dignity being being given to someone who had been dirty and guilt ridden, and it is that uh, it, when you look at, at at scripture, as you said, uh, my my translation, the NABRE says adversary, but it's true. I mean, it's exactly as you read others use Satan as um, that that's who it is, names it as Satan. It's the act of what he does, though, that's that's what's uh, fascinating to me. And that is make accusations. So he's before God making accusations about this person who's guilty. And he gets rebuked. Satan gets rebuked. And now there's this, this restoration um, to, to dignity. It, it, that, that speaks on a primal level for me. And I don't know if it's um, just my penchant for self-loathing or what. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it, that, that's just another, another point about this. is What, what I often see in, in modern worship music, there's a I, I like it, I enjoy it, but there's a danger there. That it, that it tends to teeter on self-loathing. And like, I am, I am so miserable, but yeah, God, you love me. Anyway. That, that, I don't think that's very scriptural, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and that, that, that's what this passage is getting at, that, um, that we don't have to wallow in self-loathing, um, that there's um, a restoration to dignity that, that happens, but it's Satan's tool, the adversary's tool, to do what? To accuse—that's that's that's the primary action in Scripture that you see—is accusation from from Satan.
0: Yeah, you said a lot there, and I want to get to. I want to talk about reconciliation and the Mm. self-loathing that you brought up. I remember when we met on. I think we met originally on a, re- a retreat that you had led here for the Diocese of Arlington when I was still working up there. And I, the whole theme, I remember, of the retreat, I think, was reconciliation. That's right. I remember you talking about that. like, and So I feel like that maybe is a very, like a theme for you because the, mm. the New Testament passage um, certainly connects to that and echoes that as well. I wish I had more context, Zechariah. this book, I got to admit, is kind of obscure for me. Like I gave that mm-hmm. little introduction, but that's really just from the introduction to the book itself in my Bible. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, really, I really haven't, um, you know, I, I know a general information about like the prophets and most of them were written around the Babylonian exile. So a lot of the messages are trying to bring the people of Israel hope and comfort, um, mm-hmm. while they're removed from their homes and encourage, you know, trying to keep them from, um, false gods. But I, this, this character that you know is mentioned here is not someone I'm familiar with, and as a high priest. But I know that the New Testament verse that you want to talk about has a scene with these high priests, right? Who are kind of the op- opposite of this character, right? Because this character clearly is like, like you said, self-loathing and feeling shame. And the other ones, the ones in the New Testament, are not of that attitude. It's more like kind of looking down on other people. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to, so let's take a look I I, just to kind of break down, you know, as a, as a CUA grad, you know, how, how often we have to (laughs) bracket things. So so let's just create an outline for, for Zachariah. Mm -hmm. So here, here we have, we have an adversary who's making accusations, someone who is, who is guilty. Then there is a rebuke and there's a restoration, and there's a, a charge to live differently. Okay, mm-hmm. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. let's go to John chapter 8. Let's do it. And we'll start, um, we'll start with verse, verse 1. So while Jesus was, uh, went to the Mount of Olives, um, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause. I want to give a little bit of context, like why, why this grabbed me. Okay. So earlier earlier this year, I was preaching a parish mission, in um, in Nederland, Texas, and I was kind of walking around the rectory that that day um, for night two. And, and just said, all right, Lord, so what, um, during the evening prayer section of the mission, because that, that's how I like to do missions, is like I'll, in the context of evening prayer, then I'll, I'll, I'll preach. So I was like, okay, God, wh- which scripture passage should I, um, should I read tonight? And it just came to me, well, the woman caught in adultery. And, and so I went, okay, great, I'll do that. So here I am now, 25 minutes before I go on, and I thought, you know, I should, I should pray through that scripture before it. And, and as I began to pray, I went, oh my gosh, this is exactly, this exactly mirrors what's going on in Joshua. Mm-hmm. And you can see the, the parallel. So with that, let's, let's, go back, let's go back to it. I'll pick up there at verse 4. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, or now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them. Let the one among you who is without sin be be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and wrote on the ground, and in response they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore." And and so what I, I I I went back and ran to the back where my computer was. It was already projecting the night's you know the opening slide for the night, and I would <laughs> escape and I'm just rewriting my talk like moments beforehand. And and so what what I what I asked the folks to uh, to, to recall would be, like, what's your worst moment ever? And this is, like, if I didn't go to confession, I would have no content for my talks. But I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to my spiritual director, and, and he had said, he had asked me to do that. Like, go to your worst moment. And I, I, I went there, you know, and he said, now imagine God loving you right now in that, in that worst moment. Well, this poor woman, her wor- worst moment is is being made public you know so she's standing in the middle in her worst moment i mean the, talk about shame and guilt and humiliation and so that i'm going to again translate over there there's joshua here he is guilty brought before god in guilt and there is satan the accuser and now here you have the Pharisees. I mean, that's an, it was an act of evil to, to publicly humiliate this woman and shame her. And so then, though, when, when we are in our worst moment, if God is there, which he is, loving us, which Jesus is in this moment, then he dispels the accuser, just as the angel of the Lord had dispelled the accuser, had dispelled Satan. And so, in the face of love, then there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is just restoration, healing, and, uh, and the beauty of, of, as you had said, reconciliation. And, you know, it's, it, Julie, I, I feel guilty about this sometimes, but I, I cannot publicly speak about, about the things of God without talking about reconciliation and, you know, breaking that word down. And again, anyone who's, this is not, if you've ever heard me speak, you know exactly what I'm going to (laughs) say. You know, reconciliation has two prefixes and it has a suffix. So re again, con with, and then shun the act over the state of. So then you're left with the root word of cilia. And cilia, it's, if, if anybody who knows biology, it, it is the little hairs that are in our trachea, in our nose, but it's also our eyelids and our eyelashes or eyebrows. So that the act of reconciliation is to once again come eyelash to eyelash. And that, that's the intimacy Actually, it is what salvation is. There, there is no other definition for salvation because Jesus stands in this perpetual, eternal, eyelash-to-eyelash relationship with the Father. And when we're baptized, that becomes our experience. We're adopted daughters and sons. By, by his nature, he has that, that proximity to the Father and by adoption, we have that same proximity. So mm-hmm. this is what is happening to the, to the woman. This is what is happening to Joshua. Being been made clean and brought into this intimacy with the father. So that, that, really that, that's a lot to throw down on you, but...
0: There's a lot. No, I, but I love it. And I mean, when you had suggested these readings, I, again, I wasn't familiar with the Zachariah, so went and I read it and I was like, okay, I can see how it connects to the woman caught in adultery and John um, with the idea of the shame and the removing of guilt. But um, I love how you broke it down for for us. And I was struck by like intimacy and humiliation because I feel like those things may seem opposed, but I, they are related. I don't know, like when I... Mm. I'm really humiliated. Like it, I I don't want to be around people. But that's the time where you feel, you know, that that you need that intimacy, or or maybe it's because of a moment of intimacy that I don't know. They're, they're connected. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, but, you make perfect um, sense. I don't know if you want to help me out here. <laughs> sure.
1: No, because it's it's the, the it's vulnerability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's what it
0: is. Yeah. It, yeah,
1: because when we're, you know, just going back to to in Genesis. They were naked, yet they felt no shame. yeah Th- that means when when we have nothing to cover us, that is the most vulnerable that we are and mm-hmm. and it is also a time where we can really be be ashamed um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is probably yes. more than your, your readers want to know, but I don't want anybody, or your listeners, I don't want anybody to see me naked. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> there's just a lot to be ashamed of, you know, when I take a look at, at this, uh, this strange body that God has given me. <laughs> it, there's, but, but it's in that, in that vulnerability that we're there. And, and then for the Lord to say, I see your vulnerability, and I love you and your vulnerability that it is that that that's what creates the intimacy
0: yes and that's exactly i'm so glad that you're able to articulate it for me because that's and that's something that i struggle with and part of this podcast too is to break down scripture and talk about the historical pieces but then also to try to apply it to you know where we're at right now in 2021 and i feel like vulnerability is such an issue for me. And I'm sure mm. for many people, I'm sure we could get into a lot about like why that is. Yeah. But I think we see it, you know, I'm a media studies person. My, my bachelor's is in media literacy. And and I think one of the reasons we're drawn to social media, and maybe I'm taking this in a completely different direction that we wanted to go, but, you know, people are able to be somewhat vulnerable on social media, but still with like control mm-hmm. and with like a veil. And I think that's what people, draw people to it because like, oh, I can say what I want but i don't necessarily have to be totally out there and totally naked you know to use what you were saying mm-hmm. earlier and so i think that's maybe what social media is hard because it it's that it's so easy but it's not letting it allowing us to be fully ourselves and mm-hmm. like we want to be but it gives us a little bit of it a little t- i don't know Do you, no does that yeah make sense? it it
1: does because it's it 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 gives a um, a projection of intimacy but it's a false intimacy right. yes um, yes yeah, and a false um, yeah, a false v- vulnerability, and, and it's exactly what what you said that it, it's it there's still some, some control there, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think I think social media does re- reveal something to us, and I'm not I'm certainly not anti social media, but mm-hmm. if if you have ever gotten a negative comment on anything that you've posted, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I say you. I have gotten negative comments on things that I've posted, and, I've, and I, I have obsessed over it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it, it still strikes strikes a nerve of, of shame and, yeah, nakedness. And, yeah, we are. We're, we're, we, we, we crave for intimacy. We, we want it. We're made for it. Um, yet it's so it's so frightening. You know, and and I do mean specifically, like with with the Lord, you know, where we're 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 made for that kind of of intimacy with Him, and and it's at the, it's at the heart of our spirituality, you no, know, because I, oftentimes I and perhaps you've heard me say this before, but you know, our spirituality it is not wrapped up in how how much Scripture we read, how many rosaries we say, how often we go to mass, that 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 may be a manifestation of our spirituality, but it's not our spirituality. At the heart of it is, it's I, I have this, this massive craving that is deep within me. The manner by which I'm satisfying that craving, that's my spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, there's, a, there's an openness. There's a, there's a wound inside of us and it's, I mean, we we've say this all the time in youth ministry, but it's that, it's that infinite hole in us because we're made for the infinite, we're made for God. But that's also the source of our, of, of our shame that, because if, if you go back to Adam and Eve, I mean, what, what happened? Bite the apple and you go, well, son of a gun, I'm naked as a jaybird, you know, mm-hmm. And 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 then what do they do? They hide from God. So there's this, when, when we come to real to realize that we're incomplete, we're inadequate, and that there's this source of shame, like I want to be completely adequate when I when I miss a meeting. And I'm just a goofy kid, you know, I still am just so goofy. And I have so many faults and foibles, then I try to make excuses for it. I, I, I tend to blame others for it. And that's just a human response. What Adam and Eve did, it is the human drama. Uh, So I'm going to find my fig leaves. I'm going to hide my nakedness. I'm going to blame this other person for everything that's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And because we we can't stand it. You know, we've got to, we want to hide that part of our shame. Whereas God is saying, let me see it. Let me love it let me be enough.
0: So then I guess the the next thing is like how do we get there? So we I I see a connection of Zechariah and John like they both have this intimate encounter with with God, right? Mm-hmm. With um with the high priest, it's the angel, you know, speaking to him, like direct communication with God. And then the woman in adultery has this intimate immediate encounter with with God. So how do we what are some suggestions you have to to bring us there? Like how do we kind of unveil ourselves and seek out that intimate relationship, would you say?
1: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to bring in another, another scripture that really hit me during the, during the pandemic. Um, And it was, it was God's revelation of himself at the burning bush. Mm. And, and God God says four things. I have seen um, the suffering of my people. I've heard my cry. I know their afflictions and I've come to rescue all of those. I, I think the first the first thing is, um, is to is to be able to to say how how is it that 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 we're suffering? Where's the wound? Where's the shame? Be able to, to name that, and then it, because God God sees it. Now let's what's our cry? What's our prayer in the midst of that? Again, knowing the affliction, as God knows it, but then it it is seeing. How has God visited us because normally what what our shame is it, it has to do with that there's some kind of a wound and and what I what I often I've said this to teens is that every sin is a manifestation of a wound if you see somebody who's just annoying the heck out of you well that's a manifestation of a wound love the wound so I would say the same thing to us is is how has the Lord visited you at the, at the moment of the wound? Now, I, again, I'm talking about going back to my time with my spiritual director. I, I noticed during one session, I kept going back to, well, you know, Father Joe, when I was eight, this happened. When I was eight, this happened. And I was like, golly, I just sound like one of those like sniveling little, like I've got the little, a wounded little boy inside of me. You know, and I never wanted to sound like that but like all right well if that if that's it if there was something going on when i was 8 and so i i just began to think about that and to name that all right well here's everything that was going on i grew up in the deep south with an ethnic last name i was picked on a lot um i was an only child i was just very lonely and where we live it was it was just a really rough environment we were not we, we were pretty poor at that time and, um, and yet, there was an experience I had lying on my bed where all of a sudden all I wanted to do is pray. And I, I did. I just prayed this for like half an hour straight when I was eight. That came back to me. And, and what I, what I, that's why that scripture came to me again was, he did come to rescue me. God draws near. God approaches us, not in spite of what we're going through, but because of what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And and so that that's that that takes some spiritual effort and some spiritual discipline, but that that you know, just asking practically what to do is is to get is to go to there. Like, what is my, my source of, of shame? Like when when have I been wounded? What if I've been embarrassed? You know, it was the woman in John. Publicly, I mean, I'm sure she was still naked. If she was caught in the very act, then she was brought naked out in front of everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So here she is. Her worst moment made public. What's our worst moment? Don't be afraid to go there. And then to ask, Lord, where were you? How, are, how were you? Your, your love was there. Where was it there? How, are you, how have you come to rescue me? In this moment. It, uh, that, that's what I would encourage your listeners to sit with, is that. What I encourage myself to sit with is is exactly that. All those moments that it's been, wounds have been uh, inflicted on me. And some of them are my own dadgum fault, too. You know, <laughs> like that's, I, and, and, and to own that and say, all right, Lord, here's, this is it. This is where I've, I've self-inflicted wounds. How are you going to love me in the middle of that, which I've done when I'm clearly guilty and wrong? Not not misjudged, but accurately judged, mm-hmm. you know? How are you loving me now?
0: And that's hard. I mean, those, I think the reason we don't want to deal with a lot of our like childhood trauma and things, it's, it's a hard, dark place to go to. Um, so I think you've given us a really important challenge, um, but definitely like a challenge, you know, to go to those kind of darker like you said your worst moments I know that for myself in those worst moments the ones I don't like to look to those are the moments where I've grown and it's easy to look you know 2020 is great I can look back and I could say um you know hindsight's 2020 and and I grew from that when I actually when I was on net my teammates and I we had a rough year and so we always say that you know everyone else had fun and we got to grow <laughs> so to, you know, it was like a, it was a tough year we still joke about it but it's But it's love. I love it that we can joke about it now. We've we've had like little reunions and stuff, and um and we do joke about like. But at the time, it was you know it was rough. Like we went through some some tough things. But anyways, I think you gave us some, yeah. That is (laughs) so good,
1: Julia. (laughs) (laughs) They had fun. We grew.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because all the other teams came back and they were like, you know, so excited and like all like spiritually like on the spiritual high, and we were like. We were at the you know we were done <laughs> um, but anyways <laughs> i think that yeah those moments are hard to go to but like you said and I, i'm always drawn back to saint paul mm. and how you know he clings to that that thorn in his side mm-hmm. and i always like i'm like well i just want it out you know but i don't want to look at the wound i don't want the wound to be there i just want it out so i don't have to deal with it anymore but i find like what you said those are the things that draw me closer to God. So, just the very things that we're humiliated by, that we're hurt by, those are the things that draw us close to God. So, that's why they're there for us to to look at and remind us and to to pray about. So, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that? I know there, we've, there's so much we could say. We could go on forever, but um, what else would you kind of leave, want to leave us with as we wrap up about the passages?
1: I, I, just, just this is that that I, I love what Cardinal. Casper has said in in his book the God of Jesus Christ it, he says that that God is is not just love he's freedom to love and and in that freedom there's nothing that is holding hold that can hold him back from being who he is as as love God revealed that in the burning bush that he's the one who rescues and that that is fulfilled in the person of Jesus and that he does he comes and he heals, he rescues us, um, mm. and and so that that would be the the I guess the lasting thought. Now, uh, another scripture that has really hit me hard recently is that in Matthew, Jesus's ministry is described as teaching, preaching, and healing. And as Catholics, we love the teaching church. Um, we write great documents. But to really follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we are also going to be a healing church. And uh, I, th- that's, where I would, that, that's where I would want us to, to sit, is that God wants to heal, to restore, to unify, to reconcile. That that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, to, to allow that to happen, allow the Lord to heal us, to move into those places of woundedness and vulnerability, and let restoration happen.
0: Amen. I love that image of, I do remember when you, when you talked about the eyelash to eyelash, like coming back, I love that image and I definitely will take that with me. And I like that you echoed again, that idea of rescuing. I think Mm. that's something that a lot of us want and desire. And so um, to see and remember the times where he has rescued us before throughout scripture, throughout our own lives. I think that's a really good thing to remember after we sit with the woundedness (laughs) than to remember though, that like, he's going to rescue like he's rescued throughout salvation history. So yes. thank you so much for bringing us all these things to think about at the end of the episode. I like to give people a chance to plug any projects or direct us to any social media or websites or anything you want to tell us about.
1: Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so eqsaints.com would be, uh, would be the place that I'd like to let people know about. And then especially what I'm excited about is is a, a discipleship process that we've developed and uh, in the middle of developing um, called Equipped for Life. Um, it is a, a four year um, experience for, for teens that is meant to take someone who is on the margins of parish life, highly skeptical, um, of th- even asking the question, Is there a God at all? and walking with them and bringing them along to, uh, to full Christian maturity. Um, asking that vocational question of what is the Lord calling me to. Um, I'm very enthused about that. In in addition to the certification program that we have going on at EQ Saints, all of that I'm very excited about. But really, that discipleship process is um that that's kind of what gets me gets me up in the morning and keeps me awake at night.
0: Um is there a website or a social like an account like a do you have Instagram or Twitter or...
1: Yeah, um so just eq saints um would be the mm-hmm. would be the place um on on Twitter, on Instagram and then eqsaints.com would be our website.
0: Awesome. And you all can find me on Instagram at 7 mile chats all spelled out if you want to talk to me about scripture or message me, I'd love to hear from you and also I'm on Twitter at M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. That's my teacher account. And you can talk to me about scripture or religious education. I'd love to talk to you and maybe even have you as a guest one day if you're interested. But thank you so much, Robert. Um, I love that we've kept in touch all these years. Yeah. And thank you so much for giving us so much to think about. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, it's a great opportunity. Thank you, Julia.
0: Bye everyone.